Cradeline Network. Let's no. start. Yeah, that's right. My name is Connor Luxembourg, Fred Fox. It's the 229th episode oh, of Space no. Spinner 2000. No, it's not. It's a podcast for two Americans trying to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. Hoo-ha! This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for October and November 1990, prog 700 to 703, 700 years of 2000 AD. <laughs> it really, it sometimes feels that way. Uh, definitely, yeah, definitely at least four. This time, we've hit a big milestone, so it's time for a big relaunch. Two new stories, two new thrills, and the Harlem Heroes keep rolling along. Oh, yeah, womp womp. That's right. If you were to read along with this, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd, the Complete Case Files 15, a new Case Files, Fox. We're marking these down. Man. Um, yeah. Anderson, the Sci Files, Volume 2, Nemesis, the Warlock, Volume 3. The Hooligans Haircut Collection and 2000 AD, oh sorry, 2000 AD Extreme Edition 19 and the Judge Dredd Magazine 359 to 360. Uh, yeah, 360. My favorite no scope. That's right. Circle it around, buddy. Yeah, we've, Ooh. we've hit a vein of, um, of re like after a long time actually of comics that had not been reprinted <laughs> in the later p- pages of uh, Necropolis, we've now hit a deep vein of reprinted stuff between this Anderson story, a nemesis check in, and Hooligan's haircut as well. Okay, yeah, but hey, speaking of fin- of uh, being done with Necropolis, Fox. Oh yeah, hey, let's do some holograms. <laughs> yeah, let's check in with shit and. Let's check in with some old artists with Thrill One, Judge Dredd. Mm, yes, and also Gun Claws, even. <laughs> exactly. Script about John Wagner, art about Ron Smith, and or, and Steve Dillon, letter about Tom Frame. Oh, I remember, it's, it is only fitting he should die by my hand. You and your Dale Gribble judge death, buddy. It's, I think it's the best way to run him, my dude. It's a pretty, pretty decent judge death, I gotta say. I kind of, you know, definitely imagine all the other judges as the King of the Hill gang. Oh my God. Um, judge Fires, definitely Bill. Yep. Uh, the Judge Fear is. Um, oh, that's, is, is, that's is, Boom is Hank. Fort. Oh, no, you no, think no. so? Oh, because he's huge. Judge Death is is Hank, like a gaze gaze into the face of fear. I tell you what, um. <laughs> God damn it, Death! You got to gaze into the, the the gaze of fear. That's right. And then, uh, no, uh, boy, howdy, uh, Boomhauer's Mortis. Absolutely. Oh yeah. <laughs> dang, come on, you dang old dang old kids! I'm gonna kill you in this dang old. <laughs> I'm gonna melt you with those dang oh here we go with this here uh, dang old headway man oh blew off my head man dang um yeah <laughs> that's why hasn't it happened yet I feel like it's just a lack of like English well no honestly it's because it's 1990 so King of the Hill won't be on for like seven more years down 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 down
Listen, someday Judge Jeff's going to attack Texas City. It's going to be a whole oh, other situation. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't wait. I cannot wait. That's right. I'm not actually saying that happens. I'm just saying that someday it could. Oh, no. I mean, it better. I hope so. Because that would, that would make this joke come full circle. <laughs> yep. To the progs. Uh. Uh, so this story we're starting with is called Theater of Death. It's art by Ron Smith. His first time drawing dread since Prog 499, God if you can damn. believe it. Um, we see a bloody chief silver brought before the throne of Judge Death. It's only fitting he should die by my hand. I mean, you know, I the they gave it away a little bit. What with the the robo uh, talk boxes, mm, text yeah, bubbles, yeah, yeah, the word bubbles sort of sort of do do give up the ghost a little bit. Yeah. Um, next, we see a wanted poster for Judge Death and a couple citizens trying to report a death sighting for the reward. But they freak out when they see a messed up <laughs> dead man dread. At first, they're like, ah, oh, it's him, death. But then they're like, oh, but then we also maybe thought you were the bad dread, but you're the good one. Honestly, he's having a bad time just in terms of like looking like a bad guy at this point. Uh, I don't I, know. If, I don't know if he minds all that much. He does, he does not. Um, I should mention, actually, at the end of Necropolis, Dread seems slightly less messed up, like sort of in those final yeah, images. But he's back to but, being full messy. Yeah, yeah. I think it's possible that he can put on like some makeup or something like that for public appearances if he wants to look less messed up. But some, he definitely doesn't do that very often. Some, some clay-based goo, like uh, clay yeah. face. You know, <laughs> clay face from the Batmans. I mean, later he says, like, for love, for the love of grud and grease paint for how bad he looks. So oh, I feel like yeah. that's sort of a thing. But anyway, yeah, now he's full of scars, and these citizens are rearrested because when they saw death to get the reward, they were trespassing. And so, you know, that's generally how it goes here. In Just City desserts one. for that one, boys. They're way different from those lion cops in Arcturus where um, you definitely – where if you do enough good, you can be forgiven of certain crimes. Uh, <laughs> um, inside – so he heads into into the theater um, and inside he uh, – we see Judge Death continuing to menace J uh, Chief Silver as other judges make him beg for his life. Dread open fire, opens fire, but it does nothing because it's just a laser projection. Before you die, you will abase yourself before me. <laughs> as uh, Silver tries to fight against Death – Dread makes his way to the projector room. It's uh, it's running on automatic. Oh, I, sh I should say there's a, a pretty fun part where um, they try to make Silver uh, kiss Death's boots, but oh, instead yeah. he just rips out, rips off part of his pant leg with his teeth, I, which is yeah, a good. So I got that good act of defiance. That, I, I think I, I thought it looked like he was vomiting for some reason, but th yeah, this makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, Dread scans the video. It's got all the greatest hits of death. We see um, like the very earliest Judge Death story where Dread blows death away in a nightclub and then Anderson getting frozen and boying in like, you know, in a boying cube because death's spirit is inside her brain. S. Um, yeah, this whole thing is an archive recording from the Black Museum. But what can it mean besides Judge Death sneaking up behind Dread right now? I'm going to give you some claws, boy. Uh, Dread calls in, uh, 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 calls into control and says there's no sign of death, but then death attacks. Oh, man. With full, full claw move, like the karate chop move. Press the back oh, and yeah. he's like, wah! 
The evil judge, as they scuffle, hits a button turning on an image of the sisters and sort of a replay of their monologue from Necropolis during uh, that story. Ooga booga. Dredd comes up shooting. He, he, his bullets hit Dredd and, or hits death and death blows up. It's a robot. Oh, man. Wouldn't you know it? Ooh, rhyming. Uh, Dread moves through the halls as the projector changes. Now it's like an introductory piece by Judge Udwin, uh, Udwin Winstanley, the curator of the Black Museum, <sighs> who apparently, while possessed by the sisters, built this place and put and edited a bunch of archival footage as part of a theater of death, basically. <laughs> I mean, so like they did this by request, which just says that, you know, he's a little vain. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we've seen even in like the original Death World and stuff. um, They got some statues. Yeah, they built a statue to the last person killed and stuff like that. Like Death definitely has a, I mean, just look at his costume, honestly, but he's got a flair for the dramatic, you know, and part of that means documenting his various murders and stuff. That's why we love him. That's why he put together this freaking Hall of Presidents ass monument of death. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I would love it if they just stood in place and animatronically like explained bad things happening. I mean, what is, what is dread being menaced by right now, but animatronic deaths, you know, it's Um, true. The real win Stanley is dead in the projection room of the theater and Dredd finds him as another death bot attacks him. Ah, punches he, right through old Win Stanley's chest parts. Yeah, it's awesome. They fight it out, eventually crashing through the projector glass into the auditorium below as more judges arrive. It seems these dreads or these uh, droids were from a previous case where basically at like a fancy dress party, yeah. someone had a bunch of death droids as waiters and they just killed everybody. I mean, Um, you're asking for it at that point, I feel like. Yeah, definitely. And so they were all in the Black Museum and were apparently raided to, again, make this uh, Hall of Death, basically. Mm. Um, Yeah, weird stuff. People sort of – everybody sort of reflects on who would be there to watch this if everyone was dead (laughs) post-Necropolis. I mean, just Death and his buddies. Yeah, no, they'd watch it sort of in an empty theater, uh, Omega Man style or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. but yeah, anyway, who knows these dark judges? All we can do is pick up the pieces. Yeah, sure. And speaking of which, we got another new story in Dread. Um, this one's by, with art by Steve Dillon, who's back on Dread for the first time since the 550s when he worked on Oz. As a Justice Department uh, H-Wagon lands in Bubble Town Hell on the yeah. Cursed Earth. Yasa! Yeah, yeah, and several judges, cadet giant among them, ask for Yasa Povey. Been told that it's Povey instead of Poovey. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, Judge, De- Judge Dredd sent them. It seems like Yasa's grown a bit since we last saw him. I think he's taller. Mm-hmm. And he's also gotten a haircut. He's got kind of short dreadlocks now. Yeah. And of course, a uh, a freaking um, bandana around his ruined eye sockets yeah. from the Sisters of Death gave him kind of a Mo Howard kind of thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right. You know what I'm talking about. 
Poke? Yeah. Back in Mega City 1, Dredd himself is doing a dermograph session. It seems session. It seems Judge Magruder wants him rejuvenated and looking more normal for PR purposes. Yeah. He's kind of in Be this less big... gross. Also, it's mandatory. Also, see you next week. Yeah, very much just kind of regrowing some goddamn skin and getting rid of all of these, uh, you know, full body burns that he's on after wading speaking through that of, acid river. Speaking of burns, he's like, she's one to talk. Somebody needs to tell her to get a shave. Oh, shit. Uh, speaking of which, um, speaking of the chief judge and public relations, she's leading oh, the dedication of a mass speech. grave outside the mega city wall. Pretty good speech. She admits, everyone, your sacrifices were in vain and your final resting places are undignified. This is pit. This is mass grave. This mass grave is called Pit 49, which implies quite like at least 48 mass graves before <laughs> this one and several more to come. Uh, Oh yeah, she's she's pulling no punches. New Magruder is even more harsh than last older Magruder or new younger Magruder. Sp- yeah, new Magruder speaks in the royal we and doesn't give a shit. No, <laughs> is the basic answer. It's real um, good. A, a a bystander faints as a bulldozer just pushes dirt over this giant pile <laughs> of corpses in this mass grave. Oh my god. Things are tough post-Necropolis, you know? I mean, one, there's just fucking corpses everywhere. But also, like, a lot of the buildings have just been destroyed, so housing blo- housing stock is very low. The city itself is in a state of shock. They've got to rapidly rebuild all these ISO blocks just to where to put all the freaking criminals in this city. Yep. They're even going to give an amnesty for petty offenders. Like, if, you got, if you're in for less than a year, you, you, you're out of here. Get out, you know, we don't need you. Yep. Um, Magruder asks, and this is something I've been looking for, actually, and I'm glad they discuss it. Um, as they ride off, Magruder asks if Dredd feels right about taking the long walk at the start of this story. And he basically says that while he's still pretty unhappy with the city, he sees now the best thing to do is to stay there and try to change things. Yeah. As opposed to just saying, like, oh, like, it's past me. I'm going to run away and, you know, get out of here. Which, and which I think is fine. Well, and I think that even knowing that, what I what I really appreciate is Magruder, and this comes up a couple of times throughout the story, like, hey, there's this thing at 2100, I expect you to be there, even though he's showing some kind of like, nah, I still kind of don't feel like it, but I should have been here, you know? Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting to hear them both talk about it, because Magruder took the long walk, too, after feeling like she failed. And so, you know, the, the two of them kind of meet in the middle here, and it sort of, I, I think, gives dread gives the two of them empathy for each other that I don't, I don't think they had previously. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. like you said, um, it seems like the Democrats are starting to rise up again. And so Magruder expects Dredd to be at a meeting at 2100 to discuss this evolving situation. Mm. Yasa and, Gi- and Giant fly into the city as they do. Uh, Giant points out like all the burial pits outside of it nah. and starts telling him about the horrors of Necropolis. And it's like, oh, geez, like now that I think about it, like, weren't you blinded by one of the sisters? <laughs> you don't want to hear this stuff. Yeah. And he seems to be pretty much like, man, I don't, I don't give a shit. Don't worry about it. Yeah, he's, I mean, honestly, he's become real sanguine in the last, yeah. um, 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 since the events of Dead Man, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, part of that is losing your eyes and having to reflect on true. that shit. 
Thanks, yeah, Dread, for being a part of my life. <laughs> Damn, buddy. In the city, a doctor meets these youths. He'll be doing an operation to fix Yasu's eyes and maybe remove the scars from the sister's attack. And it looks like this is all sort of part of a media blitz. We see newscasters following Yasu's story in surgery, though he is, of course, very modest about his role in the dead man affair. You know, I just found him. Um, yeah. As... Um, yeah, meanwhile, A's rolling in from all over the globe. We see uh, food from Hondo and repair crews from Texas City getting this, getting Mega City 1 up and running again. At the same time, though, there's black market food sellers and food riots going on. The food sellers poisoning everybody, I guess. Yeah, well, they're just trying to get stuff to market, so it's definitely, like, expired and contaminated, presumably cut with sawdust and things like that Whoa. as well. Um, and uh, also the uh, the Democrats are on the march looking to find change. We see Dread shoot a mugger through a democracy march, yeah. which is pretty crazy. He I mean, doesn't kill anybody, so you know. He no, he kills one of them. Fox. Well, yeah, just the mugger. <laughs> yeah, uh, he uh, then goes to arrest the other mugger as the uh, as the Democrats shout shame at him and stuff like that. And in thought bubbles, though not in person, Dread rages at their naivete, mm. naivety or whatever. You know, he basically says that there's too much crime and too many people in this city for anything but um, in the instant justice that the uh, judges can provide. And he gives the, uh, the surviving perp uh, five years or exile from the city. Which, you know, at least it's not five years in the cubes, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Like, the Cursed Earth's pretty bad, yep. for the record. There's a lot of irradiated dinosaur slash bat slash bird uh, tornadoes. A lot of cannibals, a lot of dog vultures, yep. a lot of weird stuff. Yeah, rat rat hurricanes. You're going to have tarantula uh, genetic disease. There are giant tarantulas. There are people turning into tarantulas because they've gotten a disease. All kinds of stuff. It's bad. Not it's great. Not good. Not good. Um. He, Dread gets an update on Yasa and plans to visit him in the morning when suddenly two doctors in the uh, block that he's in come up from behind Yasa and hit him with the old chloroform. Oh, no. Man, they pulled a Tintin on this poor boy. I'm not into that. Yasa suffered enough. And the whole overtone for all of this is a woman talking about cannibalism. Really hoping these guys aren't cannibals. <laughs> Yeah, bad times. I will say, folks, if you're planning to kidnap somebody, you shouldn't use chloroform. It's not as it's like both not as and way more effective than movies and television lead you to believe. Yeah, it will just kill somebody. Yeah, the line between I've knocked one, it takes like 10 minutes Two, Yeah, <laughs> the line between I've knocked you out with this chloroform and I've killed you with this chloroform. Are, is very thin, is oh. my understanding. But anyway. Just don't chemical next, people. Yeah, come on. Stop abducting people, you jerks. Listen, if you're, if you're routinely abducting people and you listen to this podcast, find another podcast, all right? Yeah, that's all I, I, That's all I want to say. Just listen, listen to the thrill cast. That's all you need. You don't need this classic stuff. Uh, oh, wow. Next time on Judge Dredd, hostage. Yeah, all right. Glad Yas is back. Really upset that Yas is chloroformed. Yeah, leave this kid alone. He's been through enough. Yeah, we've all been through enough, frankly. I'm I'm liking the new tone they're setting. I'm excited for nine o'clock. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, twenty one hundred. We'll see what Dread has to say. And hey, speaking of uh, moving through time, Fox. Oh my God. 
Let's go to Thrill 2. Time flies. <laughs> Script robot Garth Ennis, art robot Philip Bond, letter robot Gordon Robson. New thrill, new creative team. Uh, Philip Bond has done has, had done a lot of deadline work and would soon be headed over to the U.S. to work on various Vertigo titles. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, Garth Ennis will stick around a bit here in 2000 AD, then head over to the States and write a ton of big comics, including uh, Preacher, The yep. Boys, yep. Hitman, Punisher, Hellblazer, among Jesus other things. Christ. I mean, like like Grant like. Grant Morrison and Mark Miller. This is a debut of someone who's going to go on to define a lot of modern U.S. comics. But before that, he'll spend a few years here in 2000 AD doing stuff for better or for worse. Man, I'm looking at his notable works. It's the it's Preacher, The Boys, Judge Dredd, Hellblazer, Punisher, Dan Dare, Just a Pilgrim, and Hitman. No mention of Time Flies. Yeah, no, telling, telling detail, Fox. <laughs> um, anyway... <laughs> February 10th, 1945, an Allied bomber flies over Berlin when squadron leader Bertie Sharp realizes that his joystick doesn't work. And uh, as he looks back in his crew, in his plane, he realizes that all the living members of his plane have already bailed out. There's yeah, one uh, dead crew member for the record. Well, I mean, he's a robot. Or is that... I mean, he's just- or is he decapitated? He just, no, he, he just got decapitated by anti-aircraft fire inside, oh the, inside oh, the plane. Okay. okay that S- some makes real, uh, real Catch-22 stuff going on in there. Wow. Uh, Sharp bails out as well, but in the dark Teutonic night, he finds <laughs> um, he is found by a pair of Nazi soldiers who give him a good kicking while cracking various German accent-based based, uh, jokes. Man, the, the yuck-based kicking here is, is what I find a little odd, but all right. They are laughing. They say that they're, they say have a bunch of Strauss po- uh, puns ending oh, in executive yeah. Strauss. They're making fun. They're gas. They're 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 lampshading their own uh, earthy Bavarian humor, etc. Soon, an SS officer arrives, and upon learning that Sharp is a pilot, shoots these two troopers for being jerks. Yeah, uh, I mean, okay. Listen, I mean, you'd think just being in an SS uniform would establish someone as evil, but he'll kill his own guys too. That's fine. Yeah, hey, um, we did it. But then he smiles and he's like, "Hey, come and take a ride in my car and come meet the Führer, and it's all good, man." Just like the t- the tone of this comic, I do not like Fox. It's um, very he- odd to me. <laughs> He loads Sharp into his Jeep and takes him to see the Fuhrer. Just don't laugh when he starts to foam. In the bunker, Hitler introduces himself and Hermann Goering. Uh, Hitler seems to be barking and eating dog food while Goering's some kind of pull-string doll or something. Yeah, okay. Anyway, they have a problem and need Sharp's help. Why Why are we helping the Fuhrer? I don't know. Uh, Sharp is a pretty good idea about what needs to about what help he needs because he saw folks in the bunker on the way in. At least one of them's got an earring, so we kind of we got some fairies in this bunker, eh? Yeah, all right, we had buddy. some back when I was in boarding school too, eh? Got to deal with these fairies. Ah, oh, fuck me. Uh, what it's the real heck? Anyway, bad. suddenly a lady shows up. Her name is Trace, short for Tracer Bullet, with her big old gun, and um, yeah, she just. Oh. It fires for effect. Uh, I, um, you know, I like this uh, horizontal stripes. She's got the unk. She's got the flower belt for some reason. She's got a digital stopwatch. She's feeding Adolf Hitler dog food. What the fuck is going on? There's a goth here, and I don't know. But she's cute. Well, she, ex- 
Yeah, she's cute. She explains that she's a time traveler from the year 3584. Her time machine was hit by flak when she warped in, but now she's made a deal, which is get some spare parts from Hitler in exchange for war-winning technology. Also got to knee this dude in the balls for making a dumbass joke. That's right. She call, He calls her a nutcase. She, he, she, he spells it out, and so she has to think about it for a second. But yeah, then a knee in the balls. And he says he can't yeah. help. He thinks now the problem is that Hitler thinks he's a dog, but apparently he's always done that, I guess. Okay. They're running with this Hitler is a dog joke, Fox, and I do not get it. I gotta say. I don't get um, it. I don't get why a member of the Royal Air Force would like be somewhat amenable to Hitler. I don't get the pull string. Uh, There's a lot of stuff I don't get. Uh, But, you know, I'm into this time traveling goth. That's fine. Yeah, I would say, like, generally speaking, I'm just not really into silly Hitler, I guess. Yeah. No, it's like he's back is like a show or whatever. Or guess who's back. Yeah, it's, it's one thing... When maybe, yeah, it's like something like that, or maybe, um, oh, I'm not like into the it, pro- like the producers, or, oh, um, yeah, well, that's what's, like, what's there's that, layers. What, what's that new movie by, um, for, for, shoot, what's that movie with Scarlett Johansson that's by that, by the Thor director? Oh man, that one's rough for me. Uh, Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, that's Oh, one. yeah, I um, haven't seen Jojo Rabbit, although that one is also very, very, very. Obviously, tongue in cheek. Like it's it's yeah, tearing it apart I mean, from the inside as opposed yeah, I mean, to from I the mean, outside. It's one thing when it's like those, and it's and like we've got a silly Hitler because we're making fun of everything. But because this is like you know one because because in those ones, one's a, a a Broadway musical and the others a kid's imaginary friend. It feels <laughs> different than this one where this is just straight up silly Hitler. Well, yeah, like, exactly. You know. it's, so with Jojo Rabbit, it's got like the whole Heil Hitler scene, right? Like everybody just keep saying it to the point where you're just like jesus age christ yeah well uh, that yeah and that's I don't, and I that's don't... the pun versus this where it's like dog hitler hitler's a dog i'm like all right just in base in the bunker real hitler being a dog for some reason anyway enough of this <laughs> basically um he agrees to help and apparently the real herman goering has been kidnapped by time pirates sure. so they need sharks Great. to get him back nope no, we don't. We don't he have to get it him back. Over. 100%, you're right. He thinks it over as Hitler pees on his leg. I don't know. Um, okay. So it seems that they were back here in the past just testing if it was easy to fly over anti-aircraft fire without getting shot down. Apparently it wasn't. But uh, Trace takes Sharp to their time machine, and it's a dang excavator digger sure. machine thing. It's a cat. Sharp is sure he's going crazy when a boffin types in shorts and converse comes out of the shadows. So, okay. like, why do they need Sharp here anyway? Well, apparently their pilot was, was shot and killed, and the German pilots are all busy fighting the war, so it's down to him. But it's but it's an excavator and not an airplane. Oh, I guess maybe it yep. has airplane controls? It, yeah, it appears to have airplane controls and can fly. We see right at the end. Yeah. Um, anyway. Okay. Uh... Yeah, anyway, uh, Sharp isn't really feeling it, but if the choice is help or get shot, then he'll, I guess he'll help. Yeah, okay. Um, two other members of the team show up. It's uh, Pratt and Puke Gloss, pop singers from the future, currently easily passing as Nazis, which I will tell you now. I didn't know when I first read this, but know now that this is a very direct burn on Matt and Luke Goss of the band Bross, who are these uh, blonde 
uh, uh, pretty boy band stars. They got made fun of in one of these Bradleys in the past also. Okay. Um, they, uh, B-R-O-S. Wait, when will Bros. I be famous? Come on, guys. They're not, they're not the worst. I mean, I guess because they're very, they're very blonde and very white. They're very, yeah, they're very pretty. So you could definitely see them being made fun of. You know, they're the, uh, the one direction of their time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, Anyway, uh, Sharp listens to their music, is not impressed, so they have a tantrum. The uh, crew prepares to leave as Trace slides one of the Germans their, uh, uh, the plan to win the war, which is basically a card to give to, to give to the Americans when they show up saying, I'm a top rocket scientist, giz a job. Right. Which, listen, that is a fair point, all right? <laughs> I'm not going to dispute that. That is a good way for a Nazi to survive in post-World War II uh, America. Uh, yep. yep, 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 yep. Anyway, they pile into the excavator and then fly off through the ceiling of the bunker and off through time. All right. Meanwhile, on a giant hamburger surrounded by a whole bunch of flying chips, <sighs> or fries, as we call them here in America, yeah. the goddamn TARDIS materializes, and after some deliberation, a pirate steps out to check the atmosphere. He dies briefly, but is okay, so the crew of the ship comes out, about 20-some dudes, including a yuppie, all come out. Uh, you know, presumably... Some of these folks are caricatures of the uh, of Philip Bond's friends and stuff. That's sure. very much of the time, but nothing I could really make out here. I mean, um, a lot of the same faces here in some of it, but you know, that's true. I will say also that you know this is um, as we're recording this. It's the weekend after uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music yeah. came out. Haven't seen and- it. Don't no spoilers. I'm very excited to check it out as well. My my dad and I are going to have a watch party to see oh, it. It's going to yeah. be a lot of fun. But um, it's very um, like this feel like this is sort of a be, because it's a phone booth. This is very much a mix of Doctor Who and Bill and Ted, Hell which yeah. came out in the previous year. You know, yeah. sort of getting uh, triangulated in time here. Um. Anyway, one of the uh, members of the crew is goddamn Herman Goering in a in a mayor T-shirt, which yeah. I choose to believe is because of his love of the Civilization games, but it could be for anything. Because uh, um, it's like Sid Meier, you know what yeah, I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, he complains about being kidnapped and about them landing on a hamburger. So the yuppie, who's named Cuddy O'Sark, and the captain's number two, explains by doing kind of one of those uh, visual t- storytelling things. He he breaks Goering's arm and then knocks him over because they've had a breakdown. <laughs> they got to escape this burger swamp, but the water's full of nuclear mines. Only one thing to do, that's send in the detector, who's this very nerdy dude in like a Boy Scout uniform with a magnifying glass and a cap with an aerial on it. Okay. And he walks around. He's singing either the Jaws theme or the Pink Panther theme, Fox. It's hard to tell. Yep. Because it's either da-dum, 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 or da-dum. Dudum, dudum, dudum. It could be anything, Fox. It's the um, wonder of dudum. That's right. And then, oh, shout out to a, to the Diddly Dumb podcast, Ooh. you know, friends of the show about Doctor Who and stuff. Uh, I guess it could also be, yeah, um, the Doctor Who uh, sound uh, soundtrack. Dudum, 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 dudum. Woo! <laughs> anyway, um, he walks into a mine and blows up. Huzzah! Yay! Now we know where an explosion is. Next time on Time Flies. Cripes! 
man, if there's one fucking like you know pop duo that I love uh, that was mm. definitively formed in in London in 1985, I, I mean I don't know anything about brass, but it is certainly Erasure with their hit song Chains of Love. You know, my favorite pop duo is Fox. What's that? Thrill Three, Nemesis, and Deadlock. <laughs> this is good. That was that was good. I like that. Sorry, it was right there on the table. Uh, you but have let's... to pick it up when it's on the table, man. Sorry, what do you think about Time Flies, though? Oh, oh. <laughs> just jumped into this weird ass comic. We'll get there when we get there. Trust me. It's it's already okay. it's slightly crucified and on notice. How's that? All right, good. Okay, so script robot for Nemesis and Deadlock, Pat Mills, art robot Carl Critchlow, lettering robot Gordon Robson. New artist here. First time in the Beautiful. product for Carl. Yeah, for Carl Klitsch, Critchlow. We'll see a bit of him, especially for the lobster, the lobster random story in a few years. I mostly, though, Fox know his work for Magic the Gathering, where he's done Ooh. over 200 cards. Damn, including, that's actually a really good inc- commission. Yeah, no, he's done for a lot. He's even, like, I think his most recent work was just this year he did a, uh, a borderless worm coil engine that looks really badass. Ooh. Um, I'd Ooh. say of his cards that I've used, my face probably Heartless Heidegetsu, who's this um, red ogre who you tap and it, uh, and it, and it, and it uh, deals half of everybody. And basically, everybody loses half their life when you tap it, which is real crazy. God damn. Um, but anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, but hey, man, it's the ABC Warriors. ABC Warriors. ABC Warriors. Yeah, and 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 Critchlow's art is amazing for these for these ABC Warriors and this crazy ass nemesis stuff as well. Hell really me. a great a great fix a great fit here. We last saw the ABC Warriors when they saved uh, a Termite at the Black Hole Bypass in Prog 581. And now they're, and they ended that one on a mission to bring chaos to the galaxy. But first, they got to have a pit stop here on the planet uh, Gandarva because Deadlock has to settle a goddamn score. We are going to touch swords. (laughs) That's all I got. (laughs) So weird. I will say uh, 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 Gandarva, maybe not with this spelling, is the name of um, is is named used for uh, heavenly beings in in a Hinduism, Buddhism, and Jainism. So a lot of like uh, of a uh, Indian like religious stuff. Hell here. yeah! So just so get woke got on that, that Dharma life. That base cover. That's right. Yeah, knights in shining knights in shining in a shining karma, tender flame, buddy. Oh um, boy. Yeah, listen, got these XTC reference. That's what I got. Um, so they are here because Deadlock's got to settle a score with Nemesis the Warlock. The we see putting humans on the pyre of his wife's grave, just tossing these dudes onto this fire. It's yeah, he became solid. real anti-human, and I am very uh, not into him anymore, man. He's he's definitely killing all these humans. Absolutely. I, I, like, I, I got to say, all right? To me, this very much feels like, again, Nemesis posing for um, Deadlock's sake. Like We could get into this more when mm. we get to the actual series here, but just like how Nemesis poses as this dashing resistance leader when he's with, um, with Purity Brown, I feel like he poses as this arcane chaos mage when he hangs out with so Deadlock. So who you know? is Nemesis really? 
I think we all know that Nemesis is a freaking phony. You're <laughs> phony, Nemesis. What is this? The sword sinister or the sword... Uh, <laughs> More <laughs> like sword piss sinister, Fox. More like sword... Uh, <laughs> more like more like snored sinister, Fox. Oh, my Fox. God. <laughs> oh, Conrad. More like sword sinister... Like like a, a shitload of Z's because of the sleeping fox. Looks oh. better written down. This is uh that was that was really good. This is from a, a this is a joke from a period where I, I think it was where the Force Awakens was just coming out and people started talking about Star Wars and I was in, I was being a real asshole. So anytime someone talked about Star Star Wars, I just immediately started shouting various ways to turn <laughs> Star Wars into puns about sleeping. Yeah, I that's guess. fine. Yeah, no, that's good. More like because I feel more like, like Star Boars, Fox. Yeah, because it's boring. more like Star Snores. Because I'm sleeping during the whole movie. Because I don't even get it, and there's too much CGI in my eyes, etc. So mostly, I'm just being. I just like to yuck people's yum, Fox. That's yeah, my well, I'm, I like it when you yum my yuck. So think about Man, that. We're all over, you? We are all over the place this episode, and I'm loving it. I um, appreciate it. <laughs> so anyway. Anyway, back to the comic. Uh, Nemesis shows the bots into his donjon, which is sort of, you know, another name for a dungeon slash castle. I mean, castle. or also where you take a shit on humans. Who knows? While you try to uh, flirt with I a mean, lady and you're also the devil. Like, I would say donjon's kind of a, a, a primitive word for a castle. I mean, like, but also like, like a Don Juan kind of reference at the same time. A little bit. I mean, I'm just saying. I, I'm just saying this because I know from my Crusader Kings playing that, uh, like the level two castle you got for a while was called. Uh, it's been upgraded to have a donjon in it or whatever. Um, but this and Nemesis very much has a uh, has a torture a torture of humans themed. Uh, I mean, here. like around his chair, he's just got a bunch of ripped dudes on chains. Yeah. No, he's got a lot of dude torture going on here. You know, that's yeah. the motif. It's he, the it's the set of the uh, the hit nineteen eighty eight song "Chains of Love." Yeah, when by Nemesis Erasure. was when Nemesis <laughs> was buying his uh, castle stuff pack and his personal Sims uh, creation game. Oh my god! He only bought uh, human torture stuff and sort of you know built his whole thing just using that item set, buddy. And then um, locked a bunch of humans into uh, doorless cells that only have a toilet. I got to get it together. I'm all over the place. I'm so but yeah, sorry. Um, so Nemesis, um, like, basically just offers various amusements to the robots. Yeah, you know, you know why, why not go torture some humans or kill some in the battle rooms and stuff? And they all agree, you know. I mean, uh, Metquake likes to watch, apparently, which is, uh-huh. which is odd. Yeah, I but mean. doesn't matter. All right, Go buddy. Uh, that that was the one that threw me off. He wants big jobs, but the biggest job of all is enjoying himself. That's because when he, uh, you know, when when it comes down to it, Mechwake is kind of a coward and a wuss. You know, for all of his talk of big jobs, his execution of big jobs is limited. You know, yeah, you know, he likes to watch. That's right. Yeah, got that classic bully stuff. But anyway, soon it's down to just Nemesis and Deadlock. And Deadlock's pissed that Nemesis forced him to save the bypass and thus Termite as well, which is a great, you know, icon of order. And he's about chaos, man. He doesn't like that order. So he'll get a payment for it in blood and thus a sweet sword fight starts. It starts with a kick. It started yeah. with a kick. Whoever thought, thought it like would come to this. 
they're fighting dirty. Yeah, like you said, kicks and acid balls. Soon the walls are falling all down around him. Nemesis's snout gets cut off and he fires a massive, uh, uh, or he spits a massive fire bolt into Deadlock and like partially destroys him. You um, booped my eventually, snoot, bitch. Yeah, they reach a specific point and then they just stab each other straight through the heart at the same time and both fall down dead, sword sticking out of their chests. Cut through the heart and you're too late. You give chaos a bad name. Mm, what you say? Yeah. Oh, that you yeah, only oh, stabbed well. <laughs> well, of course you did. Of course you did, yeah. So anyway... <laughs> Soon enough, though, their bodies heal and the balance of chaos is restored. Hammerstein walks in and doesn't understand what's going on. And they're like, oh, that's, that's even be better. That's great that he doesn't know what's going on. Then we totally nailed yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. Listen, this whole comic is now about shitting on Hammerstein hardcore for the next 20 years or so. He just lost his girlfriend. And also, I just want you guys to know that what they do when they both like come out of their own bodies, that didn't sound right. That is Mm. what's classically called a bro clasp. They're clasping. That's right. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. They do the full uh, predator handshake. Like, uh, you know, what's the the matter? What's the matter, deadlock? (laughs) (laughs) Pushing papers. The the older militant got you pushing too many pencils. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Take it easy on yourself, buddy. And then they just keep looking at each other and breathing really hard. This are muscles yeah. flex for like ten minutes. Mm. I'll no I'll notice also if you're a nemesis purist that when they fought they both used swords in their right hands, whereas generally Nemesis wields the sword sinister in his left hand, hence the name. Because but he's anyway. so evil and evil is in well, the left of hands. Yeah, and this whole thing was just, was probably just a big fake out, so they sort of princess brided it a little bit. Yeah. But anyway, I don't all believe this they is exist. a teaser. F- Exactly. All this is a teaser for an upcoming Nemesis and Deadlock series, which will start in March of 1991. And the series is called uh, To Blave. Ah, To Bluff. I see how it is. (laughs) No, it's called Nemesis and Deadlock, buddy. You'll see. Anyway. Oh, good Lord. With that quick check-in for Prague 700, really because who wants to have around. Harlem Heroes in a big anniversary, in a big anniversary, Prague Fox? I mean, Nobody. it's telling, isn't it? It really is. Let's take a quick break from Thrills with Non-Thrills Covers and Nerve Center. Prague 700, we're getting started here. This Prague features uh, Dredd and Anderson, with Anderson uses these like mental powers Fuck as yeah. various... Symbols fly out from under her. Big list of all the thrills. Art here is by uh, Sean Phillips, who will be seeing the page of the prog in the magazine soon. It says, also in our scan cover, there is a gold sticker smacked right in the middle of this, letting us know about the free gift inside these uh, mega cards. Sweet scan later. cards. Mm, I'm going to yeah. collect them all and sell them on eBay. That's right. Yeah. Um, so inside, we've got a new look nerve center. Whoa. More like nerd center. Right? <laughs> Damn. More like, ner- more like nerve snorter. Oh, um, oh no. <laughs> Going to crush this Zarjaz into powder and ruin my life. That's right. Yeah. So it looks like. So it'll look like this basically until Prog 800 when they'll revamp it again, though it will get more color in about 30 progs or so. Basically, just sort of there's color in it now, but I think Tharg will be colored in as time goes yeah. by. 
Um, basically, this new nerve, this new format gives Tharg a slightly larger editorial space, and there's way more place space to uh, plug current products, as well as have like some features, including brief interviews with creators and things like that. Um, this week, though, we just get a brief synopsis of all the new thrills starting here, and your standard Beal Juicy and Glossary, um, and a uh, section where they sort of list all of this month's, uh, or this week's, uh, IPC releases, like, you know. Oh, okay. Um, Great. Yeah. The, the prog ends with the second part of the Nerve Center, which is the input page, which basically means that we're now, and I basically until the present, actually, we'll have a format where we've got the editorials and stuff in the front of the prog, and then the back page of the prog is where the letters are. Okay. That seems like a good good little space for it. Yeah, it's fine. It just means that basically my only problem is that it, it does mean that these um, Nerve Centers, this this non-thrill Some section may become longer because there's just more, con- you know, now it's two pages long, basically. Um, the dick. There's a, yep, there's a picture of Tharg Tracy with a two-way rosette and Judge Brown helpfully identified as Ian Brown of the Stone Roses. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that one, Editorial okay. Droids. Um, a letter, letters include explanations of how to get your letter printed um, and, the, and an actual letter asking for a larger nerve center. You goddamn liars here. God. And send, greeting, send greetings from Australia and theorize on the casting of a Judge Dredd movie with Leonard Nimoy as Dredd. What I don't know, buddy. What the fuck? Like a, dear, a, 19, a 1990 era Leonard Nimoy as Judge the Dredd. I don't know if I'm feeling it. doesn't just frown, by the way. I mean, he did that whole Bilbo Baggins song with his kid. That's true. I mean, he he directed well-known comedy Three Men and a Baby, Fox. Oh, God, that's... I mean, let's not use the words well-known, but also... I mean, Three Men and a, and a Little Baby was good. Three Men and a Little Lady was like, all right. Listen, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm specifically not including any positive adjectives when I say that the movie is well-known. People have heard of it. That's yep. all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> the prog ends with with the first of several 2000 ID pages. This one giving a rundown of Judge Dredd with art by Cliff Robinson. And then this prog includes the first two of eight 2080 scan cards, which I believe are postcards. Sure. With a 2000 AD covers printed on them. Great. Um, great. great reuse yeah, of fun. art. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, but they do take, like, the writing and stuff off of it. So it is kind of a – if you like this art, it is a cool way to kind of get versions of it that you can, Send you know, these to your meemaw or, or peepaw. Yeah. And I mean, they yeah. And it is just kind of like it, – it's an extra. You aren't paying more for yeah, it. So exactly. I think that's fine. Although I would say also that it's not really mentioned, but the price of the prog has gone up to 45 pence, just for the record. Um, we talked about it last episode, too. But so um, – this one includes um, this one. It, this one has an upcoming cover for the Friday Judge or the uh, Friday Rogue Trooper by Ron Smith, which will be in Prog Seven Twelve, and that stained glass dread cover from Prog Six Seventy Eight. Really awesome. Anyway, yeah, they're both good stuff. Um, so Prog Seven Oh One, it's the Hooligans haircut cover. Whoa, oh, man. a thousand times. There's some nipples. Oh, yes. And, of course, Milligan and Hewlett do make it onto the cover, of course. I mean, they make it uh, on everywhere. So. Yep. They're all over. A lad insane or a world gone mad. In the Nerve Center, Thurg lets us know that the Harlem Heroes are back. Hooray. All right. I got to hiccups. Oh, God. Yeah, that's because you were trying to stomach out the words Harlem Heroes now. That's fair. Eddie introduces us to the new editorial droid, 
the Igroid, the Igor Goldkind bot, who's very unre- a very unreliable bot that starts all, all of its entries like a 1990 modem, basically just to kind of give two extra lines of text written every episode. All yeah. right, buddy. Zets. Data link reestablished. Eek online. Initiate sequence. Activate. You've got mail. Iggy's given us the lowdown for this nerve center, including new thrills to come, sightings of 2000 AD on TV shows, and introduces a new th- a new thing, a star spot for Peter Milligan, of course, the author of Hooligan's Haircut, among many other things, currently dressed very Lawrence of Arabia Lee and photographed by Steve Cook. He's mostly answering questions in the form of dad jokes, which I think is fair. Correct. Um, we see that the magazine is on shelves, along with a sh- new, shorter monthly um, crisis comic and the Revolver Horror Special. Mid-Prog, there's an ad for 2080 Monthly, a Judge Dredd mega collection of daily star strips, and a teaser for the return of Yasa, which we remember talked about. Remember Yasa? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Late. Yeah, I remember him, buddy. It was, you know, only a couple months ago. Later, yeah. there's some very traditional comic book ads that might not be regular. Maybe it's not included in our scans because it's like for building muscle with muscle dynamics, which I think is Charles Atlas. And another one for instant sex appeal using pheromones, Fox. Oh, oh God. That was That's right even then, huh? Stink your way to sex, buddy. Ugh. <laughs> The 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 uh, input has pictures of Judge Rogue, GI mashup, and Judge Jaws with suicidal tendencies. Hell yeah! Letters ask more about the dread movie. A red a reader shares an ancient Tharg prophecy, and another is uh, laughing about Dead Man Dread's crazy skin texture. Oof. There's also an answer to some questions about being bowled over or something like that. I don't know what's going on with that one. Um. The prog ends with the 2000 ID of Judge Death, which lists his current status as imprisoned in limbo, though the text disagrees and instead has the uh, has the current fate that he's at large in Mega City 1. I'm at large. Do- Watch out for my ability to spook you. I told you not to piss me off. Oh, um, my God. Yeah, he's, yes. he's on the loose and in the pages of the Judge Dredd magazine as we speak, Fox. I'm on a goop ya. There's also more mega cards, this time the Dread Christmas cover from Prog 658, and the badass pastel Kano star scan from Prog 591. I like that one. Prog 702. Uh, Steve Dillon draws the start of Yas's big Meg nightmare. Very nice. Yeah, he's uh, it looks very contemporary yeah. actually, but also very dark. Just uh, Yasa with his with his uh, eye bandage, kind of sitting alone in this dark room. I just so, I love how you can tell the contours of the city just by the lights. It's very yeah. well done. Yeah, the mega city beyond, but it feels very ominous for mm. sure. And the nerve center, Tharg laments teething problems of the new nerve of the new nerve center. The IG Roy, the Igroid apologizes for breakdowns and then posts a 2008 family portrait from a recent annual signing with Colin McNeil, Jim McCarthy, Peter Milligan, Alan McKenzie, uh, Kevin Hopgood, John Smith, and Paul Marshall all there, along with some Forbidden Planet yeah, folks. These guys aren't robots at all. What's going on with that? You know, they're like Terminators, I guess. Okay. Um, also, more plugs for the Revolver Horror Special and the Dread Mega Collection, and I think this might be the end of me listing what's for sale each month in these things. Just God, tell me about it. Ner- this Nerve Center cover is getting long, Fox. Uh, you know, I got to cut it somewhere. Um, Mid-Prog, there's a big ad for Rage Magazine, which I guess is a music magazine. Okay. It's got a lot of, like, 
collage stuff going on to talk about things. I tried to look it up. It's hard to find, though, because honestly, Rage Magazine is not a unique name. There's a lot of different Rage Magazines <laughs> out there. But I think this one only lasted from for about a year, so it's not that huge. Oh, um, sure. There's also an ad for these um, back-to-back, like... Uh, uh, recordings, which are basically these records of candid interviews with uh, musical artists that feel mm. very much like some guy barging in with a with a re- with with a recorder and microphone oh while like Madonna's eating dinner and asking her some questions that she's too polite to tell him to get lost, and then they just kind of toss it onto a record or something. Oh God, what is his name? Um... <sighs> That weird guy who always busts in and talks to, like, musical artists now. And he just has these, like, insane, like, deep-cut facts. Uh, I'm going to remember well, I don't know that point. one. Too much for me. Um, but, yeah, but I don't know. I, th- I thought that was a weird. And, like, we're seeing some different ads in the in a, in, in, pro- in these 700s in here. So I, I, I like to call them out because I think the, the ads are always very fun. And a window into who they think is reading 2000 AD at this point, I think. So that's kind of interesting. Um, anyway, mid-prog, there's a 2000 ID for Judge Anderson, I believe drawn by David Roach. Um, we do see some malfunctions at the junction here just because a couple of these guys, like there's no set color for elbow and shoulder pads. Dread had green ones. Anderson's got gold ones. We got to get it together. Um, ah, uh, shit. Nardwar. That's it. Nardwar. Ooh, I don't know. Um, there's also a pretty neat half-page 2000 AD ad depicting like some Mesoamerican hieroglyphs with Tharg involved. Mm-hmm. There was a previous version of these with like Egyptian hieroglyphics of just an ancient Tharg bringing yeah, drill power stuff. and stuff. But I like this sort of multicultural things. I don't know. Um, letters have pictures of a son of dread, which is a Judge Mo Howard bringing it back up, um, and a very blurry Judge Static. Letters include requests for more cool posters and more nemesis and ask for explanations about ver- about recent 2080 developments, including like both the letter ends and uh, Tharg seem to agree that Slain killed Neve in the pa- in the pa- in uh, the Horn God, but he definitely didn't. Um, and then uh, the back page is an ad for the re- for a Revolver Halloween tour doing comic sightings with top talent all over the British Isles, including boo, Scotland and Ireland. Boo. Yeah, and the mega cards this um and, and the mega cards continue this time with Dread fighting Stan Lee from Prague six hundred and the Nemesis cover from Prague five eighty six when he's going into the weird uh London uh forbidden zones. Seven oh three, Judge Anderson looks pensive and shoulder padless in this Arthur Ranson cover as a guardies um rage behind her. Tribal memories in soft block. Hell yeah. In the nerve center, Tharg plugs the upcoming London comic art. Or no, he says he's getting ready for the London comic art convention, but it'll be over by the time this prog comes out. Warm. As the the Igroid welcomes the coming fall by plugging the Rogue Trooper annual and giving credit to Steve Dillon for drawing the last week's cover and Gina Hart for coloring it. He also gives credit for this week's cover. Hopefully we can get some more credit, you know, cover credits actually in the prog, which I appreciate. Fuck yeah. To give credit where credit's due. Mid-prog, there's a 2000 idea of Judge Hershey, a spotlighting that we don't know her first name still. And oh this one's God. by uh, Paul Marshall. <laughs> I, will, I will say, I don't like this picture very much just because she's got that thing where yeah. her shoulder eagles flush with her upper arm, which is sort of a, a nit, which is like John Burtis with, with us. 
Yeah, like John Burtis, who likes there to be exactly seven links on the chain between a judge's collar and their badge. I got to have the uh, the shoulder eagle's wings uh, parallel with the other shoulder pads. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's the way it goes. It, it's a it's man, you're not you're not spending all this money making shoulder eagles to do a dip on your fucking right shoulder, you know? Yeah, the show the eagle should stay static while the arm is moved vertically, frankly. Mm-hmm. Like that's my what I'm saying. Anyway, <laughs> um in the, in in input we've got pictures of a zombie Johnny Alpha return of the living no. dead. And uh, a mostly liquid judge puree. Well, get it? I like the guts. Oh, though. I get it. Yeah. Letters compliment the cover of a uh, Prog 596. Or of 696, I should say, the one with Judge Death Teeth and complain about 2080's placement at W.H. Smith's. And also request more uh, art by Duncan Figretto, who did some stuff in the 2080 annual this year, but he won't actually be in the prog until about 2001. There's also questions about where Judge Mortis's tail went, which I don't, re- I don't remember him having, to be honest. Judge Mortis had a tail? That's what I said. The prog ends with an ad for the Amstrad computer. It's, it's, we got video games on this thing, guys. You can still play us, I, I mean, promise. It shows a bunch of financial charts first, right? Yeah. Like, that's well, the thing it shows. Can, now, you mind also, you. also, like, freaking do your, do your taxes on it, man. It's, it's multi-purpose. I guess so. But also, it's got a tennis cup-based game. In which case, you know what? I'm all about it. But every time you hit the ball, you have to scream tennis. Tennis! <laughs> That's why our ping pong games are always so weird, Fox. Yeah, you can't say ping pong. You have to say ping or pong, depending on if you're left or right side. Well, yeah, obviously. You got you to gotta keep it up. You know, that's why they call it that, Fox. That's why Come tennis on. is so much easier. You're like, tennis! That's right. As opposed to remembering whether you're ping or pong. Um, yeah, it's real so rough. So, um... Yeah. Then there's the final round of mega cards. Hell yeah. This time with the Harlem Hero cover from Prog six seventy one. That's right. And the chopper cover from yeah. Prog five forty seven. Yeah. And speaking of Harlem Heroes, wait, no, actually, no, fuck that. No, we're not talking about that yet. No, thank God. <laughs> Talk, although the Harlem Heroes do have some wacky hair between a lot of them, Fox. Oh man, but not as good as this one. That's right. And on the topic of wacky hair, that's right. I set myself up. It's Thrill Four Hooligan's Haircut. Hello, my name is uh, Hooligan, and I have a weird haircut. And, you know, how did I get here? Gosh, let me tell you the story about how my hair got flipped, turned upside up, and I got a big hole that no matter which way you face it, the hole is exactly where you see it. Which I right. think doesn't make any sense. I, God, I hate the words I just used. Well, you know, it's surrealism. You know, script about Peter Milligan, <sighs> art about Jamie Hewlett, letting about Tom Frame. Okay. I'm yeah, loving Getting it. surreal up in this piece. I'm loving this woman, woman's really disgustingly big smile and very non-symmetrical eyes. Yeah, we've seen a lot of Peter Milligan over the years, stuff like Bad Company, Sooner or Later, mm-hmm. The Dead, etc. We've seen a bit of Jamie Hewlett and Swifty's return, and of course, he's best known for creating a Tank Girl and Gorillas as mm-hmm. well. Um, my understanding is that this comic is part of him breaking into the midstream, into the mainstream, I should say, and that's a very iconic 2000 AD story. It's I gets brought up a lot. enjoy this, but it is surreal as shit. <laughs> Yeah, 
As always, with Hewlett's work, you got to keep an eye out for little things in the margin and stuff. For instance, I think every single issue has a little caricature oh, of like Milligan the, and like Hewlett the hairy in the corner. Meat scissors with feet. Yeah. And then there's, yeah, just a ton of stuff also in here. I'm going to say 100%. Um, this comic is beyond my ability to fully recap. Yeah. Like, I'd just be sort of saying what's happening in each panel, which would really kind of um, not do it justice. I'd highly recommend checking this thing out. The collection, uh, um, there's one on the Rebellion Web Store that's got Hooligan's haircut in it. It's about 60 pages long. Um, It's also got... Um, the Judge Dredd story, uh, Spock Moxchok, that uh, Hewlett did, did work on. And um, it's just a very nice uh, collection of his 2008 work. I am unsure if they are attempting to synthesize both looking and reading, or if both have blatant disregards for the reader, or if they even have any regard for themselves. Like, it, it's really good. <laughs> I would, yeah, no, I, I would say that very much uh, the purpose of this thing is just to put some crazy shit in uh, 2018, you know? Which I'm A-OK with. This, this feels like the kind of bonkers that is both deliberate, and you can see that by them in the first page of this, just as miniature creepies uh, hugging yeah. each other. Um, but then no, no. just as this thing goes on, it doesn't care uh, oh, it's real good. Yeah. So basically, um, so we start in black and white at the at the five seasons mental hospital. A young man named Hooligan is uh, about to see Doctor Proctor about being released, <laughs> but before Proctor. that, he'll have to do something about his hair. And I'll also say generally, um, his the, this character's name is a Hooligan. It's pretty clearly a, uh, a portmanteau of a Milligan and Hewlett's name. Yeah, um, but also that it, you get to say Hooligan effectively. And massive shout out to my goddamn word processor for not allowing me to type the word oh, Hooligan. Yeah, no, it's real good in, at that, uh, isn't it? In 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 it into it, it is one hundred percent positive. I'm saying uh, uh, hooligan with two O's, and will autocorrect it mercilessly. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't let computers do whatever we want, can we? I guess not. I, like like it doesn't even like put a red squiggly line underneath it and allow me to add it to to the dictionary, Fox. It just says, "Oh no, you meant hooligan." <laughs> it's fine. I'll get that. Yep. You know what, computer. Go fuck yourself. Like, I literally rewrote it the way it is in the pro, like the way the characters is five times and it changed it each time. It's crazy. It's anyway, so upsetting. Nurse Hatter gives him some plastic scissors, just like Mother used to make, and uh, okay. uh, tells him to get to it. Hooligan cons- uh, cuts his hair and considers the nature of re- of insanity as he does. As Hatter returns and basically counsels him, just to pretend to be sane and you'll be fine. And honestly, like, that's not bad advice, Fox, I can tell you. Like, sure. Like, fake it till, till you make it is very much a, uh, a decent piece of psychological, devi- of, 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 uh, of psychological advice. It's just that um, it has you know, psychological sometime- impacts down the line. Well, yeah, and I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, the ability of someone to fake it is a telling detail about their mental state as well, you know. Sure. Like, whatever. I don't know. It's complicated. I don't, I don't want to get yeah, too hey, far into listen, it. Listen, man, if there's anything, it's that our prognosis is death or fake it and don't show anything. Now, nah, come on. Well, I mean, you know, generally, I'll also say, um, you know, 
I wouldn't be too trustful of this one flew over the cuckoo's nest ass version of, of mental health stuff. You Strong know? agree. Listen, as always, to, uh, space spinner motto is if you're feeling bad, uh, go get help. Do yep. that stuff. 10 for 10 um, on anyway. that one, good buddy. Yeah. So, um, Hugan cuts and styles his hair only to have it come out to be a massive explosion of a hair crown with a giant hole in the middle. He's got a always Marge. Seems to- yeah, it's it's basically a Marge with like some side pieces coming out of it. It's like with some Dr. Wiley coming out the sides and a giant hole in the middle that always orients itself to where the person is looking. <clears throat> Follows you around his head. Um, it's a pretty insane haircut. So he tamps it down with hair gel. As the doctor arrives, gets his name wrong, and proceeds to discuss his condition as his ears scurry wildly around his head. Hugan was hearing voices and seeing strange big faces when he did, but he's not anymore, so he must be cured. The doctor can write a paper about his uh, symptoms, and Hugan's free to go. Nurse Hatter cries as he heads out into a world of color and total lunacy. I I love just some of the pictures in the background here, like Flatmate Wanted, and it just shows a man who's flat being like having tire tracks run over him or uh, conversation fear uh, being on the back of a of a I think it's like a motorized wheelchair. I don't don't know. there's a disco night coming the 32nd of never, I believe. Yeah. Like, there's uh, there's just so much you miss by not looking at this directly. Like the flying tree. Oh, the flying yeah. tree. And then when he walks out, he's, he sees this world where there's like, you know, every, everything's red and crazy. There's a there's a dog-faced human walking, a human-faced dog and stuff like Keep that. Keep on the grass. Oh. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. And that's there's right. a bee that's can... farting and it's like, zarp. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, Hooligan's haircut. It's a Hewlett Milligan and frame jobby. Oh, Uh, wow. Hooligan's out on the street, but things are very strange and crazy. And again, I'm just saying like these, all these sight gags and things are beyond my ability to fully explain. Uh, Also, they're all nude. Oh, yes. Lots of nudity. Uh, Or, you know, maybe just junkless nudity for the most part. Yeah, you know, belly buttons are are sexy, I guess. That's right. Hugan asks a cop for help, but the cop just shows him some card tricks. And a bunny wan- under his hat. All of this is creepy. Yeah. He's wandering the city. We see hot air balloons going sideways. The ro- the road is a screaming mouth. Boats drive past him. The underground's the only place that's fully normal. Ah, ah, ah. Yeah. And uh, he has an Indian dinner, which disagrees with him because he thinks he's still crazy. But the dinner's like, nah, man, you're probably fine. It's probably the whole world that's gone crazy when you think about it. <laughs> I mean, uh, only the- only something. It's only some delicious Indian food could set you right there, Maddie. That's right. Yeah, man. This butter chicken's going to set oh my, my life straight. I want, I want some fucking... Uh, uh, tandoori, like the proper way. Want a dry rub? Mm. Yeah. The world seems to get madder and madder as a bank robber runs past Hooligan, dropping his gun. Hooligan picks it up, and now everybody thinks he's the thief. A thousand cops Ugh. appear out of nowhere, and he stops running. So starts running, takes a side road that turns out to be a dead end. Things look bad until the something from behind the wall calls out to him. In here, quick. Yeah, it's very blue meanies. <laughs> If that means anything, like from to uh, fr- from Yellow Submarine. Yeah, I don't. Uh, the only blue meanie I know is the one um, from ECW Fox, who's a very weird guy. <laughs> New World Order, buddy. 
Uh, following the voice, Hooligan steps through the wall. It's not real, only pretending. And on the other side, finds a lovely lady with blonde hair and a bob cut with twin with a twin ponytail mullet and bangs that cover her eyes. Ooh, yes, please, by the way. She's real cute. I like this. I like this a lot. Yeah, she's riding some kind of white and red rocking horse, tells Hooligan to jump aboard. The horse is named Dada, but it's not that fast because it's just a rocking horse. So instead, they're just making a small talk while carrying the horse as the cops come after them singing Verde's uh, Nabucco. Hey, why not? Yeah, soon they've escaped through another wall into a hideout full of, like, mixed-media collage images as the lady explains that she, like Hooligan, is a lawbreaker out of tune with the law, with the uh, nature of things. Yeah, you know, she kind of touches stuff without touching it. She's walking on things without walking on it. She can make her horse fly because she propellers around uh, whatever... Yeah. Her name is Scarlet O'Gasmeter, and Hooligan is in love. I mean... (laughs) I don't know what his eyes turn into, but his eyes definitely bulge. I'm really liking this kind of, it's such a playful art style, man. I'm very into it. Definitely, yeah. They're deconstructing while uh, making meaninglessness. It's very very new art. Definitely, yeah. I I had a real feeling that that, that you'd really dig this one, Fox. I know you're a big Hewlett fan, and so I think this is right up your alley. This is is getting Um, right there. This is scratching that itch of of just like pure insanity. I I mean, an airplane with teeth and a mouth is just already like doing it. Yeah, definitely, yeah. She explains that, that things are out of tune in our world. And because of that, things can go missing, like socks, umbrellas, and door keys. They're often out of tune. Suddenly, though, they have to run as hooligans' pursuers have found them. It's a massive tank, planes, and soldiers, hundreds of them. It's mad. Heck, the whole world's going mad, which you'd know if you hadn't been in the madhouse the whole time, buddy. Figures. Hooligan... Uh, Hooligan and Scarlet duck a fighter jet, like you said. Both it and its pilot are oh, screaming. They both got big mouths and stuff. Strafing so them. awesome! So many teeth on that plane. Definitely, the ground explodes <laughs> with a spizfugles. Oh, also, uh, I love they, I love the child in the corner, and they're just wearing a T-shirt that says "I am forty six. That's very weird. Yeah, it's like a it's like a collage child or something like yeah. that. Um. They hop aboard a passing flying pig. It's named Mike Gadding, which seems to be some kind of cricket joke. Anyway, they uh, jump into another imaginary alley only to find that the kids that usually hang out there have been recruited into the army. So they got to run. Oh, God. It's bad when kids are inducted into uh, the armed forces, my man. Yeah, goddamn Star-Lord showing up in the page of 2018 again, Oh, I forgot that he's a war criminal. Always. They make it to a fancy dress store where Scarlet decides to have them wear costumes of themselves. Who would suspect? Hey, that Um, seems... No, it doesn't doesn't really seem like it'd work, but still. Suddenly everything gets even crazier as they're hit by a cubist bomb. Oh, no. Everything gets... Super abstract and weird, and the disguises won't work because of the intellectualized and conceptual nature of cubism that defeats the uh, visual concepts of standard disguises. Suddenly, though, they're into a different realm, and this one is of various Andy Warhol paintings, mostly scarlet, being repeated over and over again in different color patterns, Marilyn Monroe style. And, you know, 
where uh, we want to talk about how, like, we can't just do these repeating patterns, man. It's pretty uh, boring. Listen, they're both, they're like some big lampshade. So, uh, listen, we just wanted to do this page real fast. So, here's a lot of mixed media and the same, you know, oh, like, yeah. like things cut out from other things and uh, the same picture and over also, and over again. And uh, also, you know, do you have a girlfriend? Think about it. <laughs> After some light Warhol's. Warhol insults. They find themselves in a plain white room. So Scarlet draws a door and they tumble through it, but then find Get themselves it. on stage with two people dressed like an elephant and a bunny rabbit as a huge crowd looks on. Man. <sighs> yep. Next time on Hooligan's Haircut. Wonderful, wonderful Copenhagen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really? All right. I mean, that's what it says in the bottom there. You can barely make it out, but yeah, it's there. I'm loving that everybody in the audience has red eyes, and if they have white eyes, they have red pupils. Yeah, uh, definitely. The audience is evil. You're evil. We are evil, Conrad. We're the bad parts. Definitely. I mean, well, these people in these costumes giving me real terrifying uh, The Shining energy. Well, you know what I mean, yeah, Fox? yeah, you know. The, why is this dog giving a man a blowjob? Yeah. Mmm. But uh, yeah, man, who looks uh, Oh, fun, by the like, way, uh, here's my quick plug: Watch Doctor Sleep. The end. Mm. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm really liking this story. Just some crazy, surreal action. I always like when there's sort of non-standard stuff in 2000 AD, and this is very much the definition uh, of non-standard stuff in 2000 AD. This is a gentle. They say gentle. This is a club-based approach for reprieve. And I'm all right with it. Uh, I'm very much liking Scarlet. I'm very much liking this art. Uh, it's hard to say whether or not whether or not I I am enjoying Hooligan himself because he's mm. he's uh, very. I mean, he's very reactive and stuff. So yeah. I think sort of... So maybe maybe he is the stand-in, but also he's not the stand-in because he's also making the the yucks. That said, uh, attacking the reader with pages and art and nonsensical words half the time like thoughts don't finish themselves in this they will mm-hmm. state a point and then just be like okay and moving on um nothing matters as soon as the next like change happens right um yeah which I think, makes I, it eclectic to follow that... and enjoyable yeah, because I think it's it's doing that on purpose yes. as opposed to times where we've read comics that are not very well put together yes. and so they become incomprehensible instead. I, well, and it, it outright says, hey, listen, we're not going to be comprehensible. You know how we're not going to be comprehensible? By absolutely changing to the next page, being something completely different. So it's in lockstep with the words and the art that, hey, this is different now. Um, and that's yeah. perfectly fine. But there is this kind of baseline through line, which is, hey, we're being pursued. Uh, how we're being pursued will probably not matter all that much. So don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's very much just um, like, here's a frame of a thing, but mostly we're just going to try, try to be crazy and, and, and keep you guessing. Yeah. I think it's a cool, you know, it's very much like sort of 1990 experimental comics, but I think I, you know, I like seeing that in 2080. It, it doesn't just have to be like standard, um, like police procedure stuff or something no, like that. No, no. And I think that's exactly what it's turning on its head by just not giving a shit. And also... You know, giving giving what seems to be a couple of people who really like working together the space to just kind of do that because they're like, we don't know why you're fucking awesome, but here's all the space to do that, you know? 
Very much, very much so, I think. I, I, I think that's a great way to put it. And hey, speaking of two people who like working together, Fox. Oh, my God. I love it. 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 Please talk about it now. Besi- besides you and me, oh. it's Thrill 5, Anderson, Side Division. You're such a sweetheart and an angel. My darling angel. You too, buddy. Closer than yeah. my peeps you are to me. Woo! Script robot Alan Grant, art robot Arthur Ranson, letter robot Steve Potter. Oh yeah, Grant Ranson back for some Judge Anderson. Very nice. Man, let's slide across the roof of this or the the, the hood of this car, jump into the seats and start the engine and do a sweet ass flip over a thing because I'm about to enjoy the shit out of some Anderson. Definitely, yeah. I'm really excited for this one. Is um sort or I have a double excitement for this one just because um when I did a Stranger by the Dozen, my my Doctor Strange podcast, Shambhala. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a Doctor Strange uh, uh, graphic novel that's called Into Shambhala. It's sort of a mm-hmm. standalone story that's about Doctor Strange sort of dealing with the death of his mentor, the Ancient One. And stuff like that and sort of investigating a strange reality and remember thing. You it's and cool. me, I remember you telling me about it after you had recorded it, I feel like. Um, Maybe. Because it was kind of like this rad thing. It, it was a good it is, changing pace for the character, right? Yeah. I mean, it is very – it is extremely rad by, for the record, um, written by uh, J.M. DeMatteis with art by Dan Green. And Dan Green does some amazing like painted – um, landscapes and stuff with Doctor Strange. I think it actually might have come around, come out around this time. Actually, I should, oh, I should cool. double check that now that I'm thinking about it. Okay, yeah, no, I I was wrong actually. Into Shambhala it was from uh it's from 1986, so a little bit before this, but okay. still, you know, in the mind is what I'm trying to say Yeet. as we're as we're talking about this Yeet. stuff. You know, because both are about people with kind of mental abilities. <sighs> Going on adventures, so it's good times. Oh yeah, and I always and I always like when there's little crossovers like this, you know. But anyway, um, this one is definitely we can see supposed to be a prestige thrill. We could, I I feel like we get like I'm citing this by the presence of these title cards, where in this case we see Anderson uh, leaning against a, a graffiti covered wall as we see a ton of like apocalypse adjacent newspaper headlines basically yeah a lot of like like the king is returns and then just a lot of like people dying in gross ways and things like that um this story is specifically called out as a pre-necropolis story so keep that in mind um i imagine that i guess she she's grown she grew her hair out between this story and the start of necropolis oh i think you can psychic your hair longer yeah why not and i I, so getting into it man i love ranson's work oh yeah his 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 use of color and the realistic style makes this a very cinematic kind of kind of thrill, especially Man. in the opening as we as we see Anderson like heading out against images of the mega city it's of the mega city skyline. Man, I will say like it that. as many times as I need to. Shading and shadows are what makes like everything else pop. Uh, like just the usage of all of this, it's almost noir esque. Um. Yeah. Uh, like lighting, no, I, I it's so good. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. It makes it feel like a whole detective story, especially with. You know, I mean, we're getting into that kind of like, oh, hey, I remember you sort of storyline coming in, and yeah, it's really yeah, good. definitely. Yeah, we see a, a star shines in the sky, and Anderson says it's shining for Judge Corey, laments the death of her friend. We'll remember that um she took her own life in the pages of 1989 sci-fi special. 
as Anderson's been low key, or actually, this is the first time we've really seen it acknowledged in the Prague. I think. Yeah. I think as I as I recall during Triad, um, which is sort of the second to last Anderson story, Corey was actually still alive in that timeline because, like, I think Anderson tossed some of the like the, the kids that like those psychic kids to be processed by by, by Corey, but it was just a brief cameo. Yeah. I've actually, I've actually re- um, been talking to some folks online who are theorizing that um, mm-hmm. before she was killed in the special, there was thought like the there was discussion about um, Corey being sacrificed in Necropolis instead of Judge a- um, um, Aggie. Oh, um, and you can see that I feel like Aggie does look very similar to Corey mm. um, in her look of this sort of lady, you know, lady side judge with short with with, with, with short black hair and stuff. I think they're both empaths and stuff, and Aggie's very much just sort of a of a and Anderson having a connection to her as well, kind of would be a big thing. But of course, couldn't happen now because she's talking about Corey being dead, and then Aggie died in Necropolis, etc. Anyway, <laughs> um, Anderson reflects on the nature of life and death, and as she does, she senses some kind of weird, angry cat with glowing green eyes. Damn. Elsewhere in the city, a bunch of youths are clockwork oranging around as they come across an alley cat. Yeah, you know, just kind of youths running around doing, just mo- doing minor crimes doing, and stuff doing, like that. Doing, uh, um, what is it, no good nick-based actions. Yeah, yeah, they're no good nicking. Um, when they come across a... a um, so one kid tries to grab the cat, but gets clawed, and the other three, we like, oh, I'm going to kill this cat, because we're cat-killing kids. Uh, when suddenly... Not good. They're so... No, not good, but even worse for them when they're surrounded by a bunch of big black cats with glowing green eyes. Meanwhile, in East Meg 2, Psycop Amasov is reporting on a recent on a recent patrol um, on the on, on these sweet uh, trikes that East Meg 2 uses when he saw an image of a great bear with growing green <laughs> eyes that attacked Get it because because they're Russian. Do you get it? Like That's bears. right. Yeah. Attacked and killed his uh, partner, Judge Yenko, then smiled at him. Meanwhile, Anderson is investigating the cat killing as Amosov scans Yenko, and both of them look out and seem to mind meld slightly as um, they see some kind of underground caverns with shadow with, with shadowy humans, some of them in chain. In chains, staring back at, staring back at them with glowing green eyes. I mean, you gotta have those glowing green eyes. Also, I love that split shot for shot. Uh, there's just so yeah. much in this story that I love visually as much as I love writing wise, and also all of the space that they give for both. If yeah, that makes first any it's sense. like a. a it's like an image of of Anderson and, and uh, Amosov uh, scanning these bodies, then a close-up on their faces, then on their eyes. Then you just see, like, Anderson's eye and Yenko's eye sort of forming one face or, or like, one, like, eye line and stuff. They sort of merge together. And you can see they're both seeing this at the same time and also feeling each other's presence. Yeah. Oh, it's cool. It's really, really good and so subtly done and also I love it. The second part opens with a big shadowy close-up of Anderson looking lovely. We see something about the center of a golden web and then a big first in the progs, at least this full map of the dread world complete with place names. Well, it's kind of updated and it gives us a bunch of kind of source 
uh, around like the colorization of things because I think we've seen something yeah. like this before, but with a lot less detail. I also like that the they add an asterisk where they're like, "Look, we're going to change this if we need it to if we need it to change." <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, this is very much subject to change, but I think it does. This is one of these big images that forms sort of at least a baseline of these dread maps and stuff like that. You know, I think um, this is probably something that that's based on some role-playing games that have come out and things like that as well. This sort of like, you know, you want to see what the whole world is, you know, in this crazy-ass dreadverse. Um, I do appreciate that um, South Africa has just sort of been reduced to an island chain. You know, that's what you get, buddy. Um, now, nah, it's a jerk thing to say. But anyway, um, I think it is mostly finalized. There will be changes as time goes by, of course. But around the world, Fox, signs are bad. There's packs of black dogs appearing in Britsit. Ma- a huge number of stigmatics in Ciudad España. Giant bunyips in Oz. Manticores in Jakarta. Massive ghosts uh, or uh, masses of ghosts appearing in South Am. And Oni walking the mountains in Hondo City. Time's running out, it seems, but there are still some small lights in the darkness as we see images of Anderson and Amasov. Ooh. Back at the uh, Department of 14 Events, which was we last saw in Triad. Yeah. Um, I, I like that this dude's still in business, I guess. Yeah, there's always crazy stuff to deal with. Um, Anderson's talking to a professor judge about the recent events. He shows her some localized Mega City One things, a floating nun, the Darwin family, which grew grew monkey tails overnight, at least 24 people claiming to be possessed by the same hell demon. Um, they verified that it's not Orlock up to his old tricks, and indeed East Meg 2 is experiencing the same thing, and the spirit of Glasnost is... Um, Offering to uh, to try to solve the problem, um, he's in contact with Lychenko, the uh, the for, the head of forty and events in East Meg Two, and they've got might have a cause for all this stuff. And the professor is going to head over to consult. As he does, he has to take a bodyguard, and it's pretty clearly implied it'll be Anderson as she absorbs obs- observes a strange floating meteorite from the pre-Columbian era crack open to reveal a full-grown frog, which. Uh, is this like a, is there a thing going on with this? I think it's just a weird thing to happen mm. as opposed to it actually being something. Right. But it'd be, it'd be funny if that was like a, a, a baby, um, hideous sag belly from the Judge Child story that, uh, that, uh, frog that, um, secretes prophetic slime from its <laughs> nose. Amazing. That's Forgot a deep cut, so I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Forgot about that um, one. Listen, you got to keep it in mind. All the, all these, everything's up. You know what, what's what goes around's all around, buddy. You got to keep it up. Um, the part three credits is a small Anderson face and a stylized S. A plane takes off as Dread asks Chief Silver if it's a good idea to let Anderson and Doc Rickard, who's the uh, Forty and Events guy, or uh, yeah, Forty and Division guy, go to East Meg. Anderson, it seems, could use a break because she's really being affected by um, after Judge Corey's death. But Dred's worried that all this Glasnost stuff is a hoax and these East Meggers having some kind of evil plan. Uh, Silver reassures Dred, though, and tells him to trust his judgment because he's got a gut feeling. But we know how those gut feelings work out, but he had a gut feeling that Kraken would be a good replacement for Dred, didn't you, you dummy? (laughs) Um, Whatever. Hell no. (laughs) As the two side judges fly over the city, 
they see a giant black eagle appear in the sky and block uh, out the sun briefly. Which I guess is like a symbol. I like how he's like the, the eagled ones or whatever. And I'm like, all right. Yeah, he kind of implies that Mega City 1 are the people of the eagle and says it could be mysterious beings coming to help them or a sign of the end of the world. You know, good. You know, one way or another. It means something, certainly. <laughs> At the same time, there was similar conversation that Dread and Silver had is taking place in Mega City One, as basically they're saying, like, I don't know if we can trust these Mega City or Mega Cityers to come to East Meg. They could betray us at any time. And it's like, buddy, they only destroyed East Meg One because they attacked first. All right, like, stop being jerks about this. Um, but yeah, we meet. Uh, we see that. Amosov is talking to Lychenko, who's this short uh, matronly woman, like sort of, you know, big, um, yeah, like sort of uh, old Russian lady kind of energy here. Um, they go to the airfield and the sides meet. Anderson and Amosov seemingly know each other instantly from that uh, vision last episode, but are very confused by it, of course. Like they kind of shake hands and instantly know each other's name, which is kind of interesting. They pile into the sweet East Meg sedan with DeLorean gullwing doors and head out. And as they drive, Lychenko explains her theory. The world is being hit by a massive psychic surge caused by something related to the legendary Agarty, the world below. Uh, uh, is this like Agartha? What, I mean, I, is there Agarty is definitely... Yeah, I mean, if you look up Agarty, it's sort of like, apparently that's just an alternate pronunciation for Agartha. So we, we are having some Hollow Earth stuff going on here. Buddy. Oh, great. That means there's going to be dinosaurs and Saul of the Moment. Saul of the Moment. Saul of the Moment. Saul I'm hoping. of the Moment. Sorry. I'm hoping for, for, for Slee Stacks, like, like Land of the Lost. <sighs> Land of the Lost. It'd be a good time. I love that show. I love, I love the, I, I love Hollow Earth in general, buddy. It's some of my favorite. Uh, maybe, maybe some Savage Land stuff. You need that to one. You need to watch Saul of the Moment if you haven't. Ooh, that's a good. That's a good shout. I'll check it out. Um, there's that one guy from the Savage Land in uh, in in X Men who had cancer, so he turned into a pterodactyl man. Oh, like that's solid, solid supervillaining. You know. That's up. Uh, that's real good. I like that. Like, why did you just cure your cancer? I want to be a pterodactyl. <laughs> <laughs> Is that so much to ask? I mean, it seems reasonable to me. The story starts with an image of cavemen walking through tunnels with torches on the credits page, bathed in the yellow light of their of of, of their light sources, and Lychenko tells the tale. 60,000 years ago, giants walked the earth. Ooh, it's a Bible thing. Um, and I love just how how Ranson draws the art draws it here because it, lo- it looks like a uh, like a diorama or a a recreation like National Geographic or something like that. Yeah, it definitely has that kind of like like I don't know. It it feels very detailed and yellowed. I suppose if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, like yeah. Older pictures. I agree. I don't know how to define it either, but it makes it look like yeah, l- 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 like the the images feel older than the than the content the the, the, the modern ones with mm. with Anderson and the rest of them. Um, a shaman named Chud um, asked the Earth Mother for safety, or maybe in reality, just kind of tripped and fell down a hole, aka Batman down a hole that <laughs> let him that that gave his people a place to hide from the onslaught of the giants. 
These caves took them deep into the earth where luminescent moss gave them light and food. And eventually they found an ancient city built millennia ago, even from the millennia ago that they're living in. They settled in these ruins and built a mighty civilization (sighs) in a globe-spanning underground kingdom. I mean, and then everything went to Quetzalcoatl. Am I right? Yeah, it's sort of a standard Atlantis stuff here. They found a hidden power, which was mostly used for good, until an evil faction called the Darrows used it for their own lust for power. <clears throat> they were exiled into the tunnels, Not where the they went mad. Power. Yeah, and decided that they'd now conquer Agarti for themselves, as well as, of course, conquer the world above. Go. Yeah, I want to say I really like as Lychenko has been talking, we've been driving through East Meg too. Oh yeah, and, and you're really getting like kind of a sense of like how it feels and looks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the the streets are full of like propaganda statues mm-hmm. and posters and stuff, mm-hmm. and a lot of them are like semi semi futurized versions of 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 classic Soviet propaganda as well. If you kind of like are are into that kind of stuff, I'm into a lot of posters in like historical things. Hell yeah, man! Yet often really cool, and the Soviets were really good at poster at uh, making posters. Oh yeah, so I mean, they're sexy posters. Here. Yeah, man, they're real good. Um, so anyway, recently, um. Anyway, all of this, of course, seems far-fetched, but there have been disturbances in the Himalayas, which the Sovs, Sovs detected and sent out some uh, spy planes to go look at. So but, it's now time for us to board this dang old train and have us, uh, like, kind of a, uh, a friendly flirt. That's right. Yeah, none of the planes came back, so it's time to go in person here, of course. Um, everyone's pretty stoked to go, you know, Ricker definitely is for the research purposes, and Anderson and Asimov's are well, and, and Amasov is as well, we learn Amasov's first name is, uh, Mikhail, and, uh, you know, and the two of them are definitely just constantly trading, like, hey, I think I like you, um, <laughs> even though that's maybe not appropriate kind of glances, you know? I mean, they're, they're doing it like, mate, hey, I just met you, and this seems crazy, but here's my number. So psych me, maybe. I mean, exactly. they didn't just meet each other, I suppose I should say. But Listen, before before Amasov came into her life, she missed him so bad, Fox. So, so bad. So bad. You, you should know that. Anyway, <laughs> as they board the train, though, Anderson does have one question, which is, hey, whatever happened to those giants anyway? Yeah, okay. So foreboding giant talk. That's right. Next time, the Siberian Express. And that's oh, man. Siberian with a PSI and Express with only the second E, Fox. I'm real into that. I'm real into this being... If there was a Psychic Express only, I feel... Oh, man. They, they should have a psychic murder mystery on a train. That'd be great. Oh, so like murder on the Orient Express, but mur- with psychics? Yeah, murder on the psionic. Uranus Express. So like a mix between uh, Murder and the Orient Express and like New Mutants or something like that. Ooh, yes. Yes, 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 Conrad. All right, let's go to Hollywood to pitch our idea, buddy. I mean, Netflix and Hollywood's dead, man. I feel like they have a base, like that's where their headquarters are or something. But anyway, hey, speaking of three different transitions here, Fox. Jesus H. Christ. Speaking of a lack of giants, Fox. Oh. Speaking of getting aboard a train, Fox. 
yeah, can we get off yet? Where's my departure? Ugh. Speaking of desperately wanting to get to Los Angeles, Fox. <laughs> How many more go. of these do you have in your fucking pocket? Speaking I of punching a woman, Fox. I said I had three, and that's what I gave. It's Thrill Six Harlem Heroes. That's more than it deserves. That's right. Listen, I'm trying. I'm very much um, like a dad in the car trying to get the kids hyped up for going to your grandma's for the house pen before factory we go here. That we're gonna visit. We're gonna see these pens, guys. It's gonna be exciting. It's the Bic. It's the main manufacturing plant of all Bic-based merchandise. You guys love pens. You'll love this. Oh God. Uh, script robot Michael O. Fleischer. Art robot Steve Dillard and Kevin Walker, or Kev Walker, I should say, letting robot Bambo Shorju. My Woo! boy. Harlem Heroes are back. Uh. When we last left them, <laughs> this cyber assassin from the office was presumed dead. The heroes had stolen a super plane and were going to use it to break into a mega corp <sighs> yep. broadcast network to show evidence to clear their names of killing the president and various other government Can officials. you believe it? The cyber assassin, meanwhile, has, ha- has flagged down a train and is in the process of hijacking it to head to Los Angeles post-haste. He punches a couple people, shoots some more, and ditches all the passenger cars. Can you believe it? Mm, at the broadcast center of Mercury National, hacker hero Patrice says to get in this place and to make their plan work, they'll need to get an EMP generator, Ocean's Eleven style. L- also in Can You Believe It news, Slice knows a guy. And they can go pick it up in about an hour, which is nice. You, he's except 100% trustworthy and everything's fine. It's obviously a double cross. And indeed, when Slice, Deacon, and Patrice come to pick it up, the sl- the buddy and the goons pull guns on him. Luckily, they seem to plan for this as well as Silver's waiting in the wings and just starts tossing grenades I, at everybody, killing them like all. It seems like her move, so I guess whatever. I mean, she's the explosives ex. You know, besides being the girl, she's also the explosives expert. So that is very much sort of what her thing. We also get a pretty graphic image of Slice cutting his buddy's throat open, getting covered in blood and stuff. <laughs> um, it seems like in like this double cross was based on a real thing because there actually was an EMP generator that they snagged. I mean, I would have if I was going for the reward, Fox. I just yeah, wouldn't even have worried would about sourcing the EMP box generator. That I taped some shit to, you know. Yeah, like why deal. Like, why have to pay a restocking fee once you get your reward? Because you know? you're an idiot. I I mean, he was killed like an idiot, so that's how it goes. Um, they So, once they get it out of there, uh, Slice goes to try the EMP thing. He says he's <laughs> trying it on a nearby neon sign, but instead he ends up almost killing just a passing old dude who had a pacemaker and kind of like has a heart attack and, and then stuff. he plays it off like, oh, I wasn't pointing it at that old guy to kill him. And I'm like, you know... <sighs> Like I just it's don't. too late for these. Dis- it's too late for this kind of dissension in the rank subplot in Harlem Heroes. Yeah, quite it's frankly, it's too late to apologize. <laughs> yep, too late to turn back now. No. So I'm falling not in love with Harlem Heroes. Um, next, um, yeah, blah, blah blah. Meanwhile, at the L.A. train station, the trains pulled in. It's clear that this cyber dude is loose in the city of angels. <laughs> I'm glad he wasn't gonna shoot me when he got here. What a great fucking comment by Dingus Albert over there. Exactly. The art style is changing here. Things are getting darker and more rushed, I believe. We're seeing more Kev Walker and less Steve Dillon, if you if you understand what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. Well, I mean, we do um, get Edie, what, what was it, Edie 99 or Edie? 209. 209, yeah. yeah. 
The heroes are poised to break into the broadcast center. It's full of electric security and stuff. And, you know, it's high, it's highly guarded because they manipulate the media. They even uh, catch addicts God. with drug verts, buddy. Drug verts. What does that hide? Whatever. <laughs> they go through the sewers, of course, but come right into a laser grid, easily <sighs> beaten by the um, P-gun. This whole place seems to be automated, so it's easy for the crew to head into up to the top floor to get their message out until Slice steps in a pressure plate, which wakes up an ASD, an automated security drone, which is clearly an ED-209 from RoboCop with, like, hands uh, instead of Instead of, like, machine guns, right? Yeah, and, like, net guns as well. Because it, like, shoots nets, and I think at least one of the fingers on those hands are, like, the weights on the edge of a oh, net when you shoot a net gun at somebody. so dumb. It's so stupid. I hate it. Pretty dumb. Anyway, then they, the, they're they going to hit it with the EMP beam, but it breaks. Wait, and this, silver- is, this is like a... This is like a- I know I'm asking you for information. So this is like no. a, a The Office location, right? Effectively. Yeah. And so instead of having like security drones that just shoot and kill people, they net them? Like clearly they have no problems just killing trespassers or just anybody. Like worse than trespassers. Well, I mean, may, like be, here's my guess, Fox. Ugh. All right. Because we see later security things are deadly. So I think maybe this thing does nonviolent stuff because it's in the lowest level of the uh, of the broadcast center in the hallways and stuff. So maybe Uh. this thing uses nonviolent stuff because if you're in this point, there's a possibility you could be like an investor or a janitor. What, they just just needed to go masturbate in the sewers or? uh, Yeah, but just generally someone who they don't want to kill outright at this point in a security, um, in security theater of this. Uh, broadcast station. All right, something I They're don't know, just man. Have I people guess... instead of a robot. Listen, yeah, listen. I mean, it's terrible. This net, the net gun on this giant <laughs> war droid is dumb. And Ugh. it's not clear why it's actually why they're actually worried about it if it's just going to freaking net them. But anyway, yeah. Um, we got a full transition. Oh, sorry, I should say Silver tosses a grenade at the ASD. It and it does do nothing. Oh, and their yeah. their EMP thing breaks because who cares? Low quality EMP thing. Yeah, they replaced um, the parts. Uh, whatever. Yep. So at this point, uh, the art's making a transition as Kev Walker takes over completely on art. Cool. You can definitely see the difference here. Uh, Deacon manages, however, to shoot the drone right in a control panel, which stops it right away. Oh, but good. now an alarm goes off. Uh, great, because there's an alarm in the control box that they shot that wouldn't have been damaged. Whatever. Yep. They run to an elevator as an uh, an alarm clock goes off on some dude's house. He's the CEO of this Mercury National thing. Why would it call the CEO? Because <laughs> someone... I mean, I feel like other people know, but I guess he's got to know that someone's breaking into their big broadcast headquarters. Well, it's a good thing that they have these uh, jetpacks that they scrounged up. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say if there's one thing we learned from Melt from you know, from a Universal Soldier that when things go wrong, they do call this, they do wake the CEO up. You know, <laughs> and that's then sort he of grabs his crystal and goes. goes in a cowboy hat to where that everything Gets, is. Yeah, super buff. Um, mm. 
Anyway, uh, buh, buh, buh. meanwhile, they get to this elevator, but it's not working, obviously. So they go to fly out in jetpacks, <laughs> but they, they try to, but it looks like there's these razor sharp graphite discs that go flying oh. out through the elevator shafts to cut people. But what if one of them misfired while you were just going up through the elevator normally? And That's then just these razor sharp discs shot into your side as you were just trying to get to work. Why do they even have an elevator if it's all automated, Fox? But anyway. <laughs> they can only survive these discs if they fly at top speed all the way up. So let's do it. And they do. It's easy. Oh, my God. Um, although they do get hit a little by it. Oh, um, I mean, who cares? Yep. Anyway, they arrive at the 53rd floor, but the door is locked. Luckily, Silver's got a bomb oh. that'll blow it open. So they do it, and it's good times. Uh, and hey, now we're going to go in here, and everything's going to be fine, except for that one guy. The That's one right. guy, Mr. Mr. Robot Eyes, is in there because he got here faster than everybody. That's right. And oh. uh, we'll see what happens next time in Harlem Heroes, I buddy. I mean, he's going to be dead, and maybe one of the other ones will be kind of hurt. Probably the tech guy. Oh, uh, you don't. Yeah, I, I I feel like Patrice is definitely. He's the most expendable tri- here. Yeah, after Trips died, he definitely downshifted into the uh, most expendable member of the team for sure. <sighs> I'm very upset at this comic book. Moving on. Not great. Hey, well, we move on to the end, friend, because Christ. that's it. For the thrills for these progs, 700 to 703. Oh, my gosh. I was pretty stoked coming into this. I don't know how it is that Harlem Heroes just makes me bummed out. It's just (sighs) a it's a goddamn thrill bump, Fox. It's a speed bump for thrills. It really like you're the only thing. Your jokes are the only thing that gets me through Harlem Heroes. Like the 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 thrill the the concept of thrillingness that I experience is what I'm trying to talk about. There, it's a the it's a speed. yeah I know it's a void. It's a real void. Uh, a black Definitely. hole. Uh, I mean, look, man. I so tops and bots, buddy. What do you got? I mean, for no, me? my bottom is fucking Harlem Heroes. Like, there's no yeah. there's no doubt about it. But I I will say that time flies is on a serious notice. I don't know what it's trying to say. I like. I've read some stuff from Garth Ennis, and it is not this. I mean, it's definitely... So, uh, the man has a a sillier tone to things. He very much mixes (laughs) up the macabre with, um, the like, levity quite well, I feel like. Um, This isn't that. (laughs) So, you're on notice. You're, you're kind of, they're nailing themselves into the cross. In terms of Top Man, I, to me, it was personally really easy. I, I want to just say, like, a special mention to Hooligan's haircut just for its nonchalance about doing anything, but also, like, have, I don't know, it's, it's not trying to shove, like, concepts down my throat, it's just trying to have a good time, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's not trying to say anything grandiose. It's just trying to be like, I'm going to derp for a little while and it's going to be weird and funny <laughs> and it's going to and you're going to enjoy it. But man, my top is is so very easily uh, Anderson side division. Nice. This whole thing had like, OK, so of course, Judge Shred. I'm excited to see Yasa again. I, I'm loving all this world building and, and all that. I, it's just. Anderson side division has it all. It's got this noir look and feel. Mm-hmm. It's got this kind of intrigue starting off already. It's got this threads of fate thing going on, plugging into people's brains. 
it's got these spooky animals and an underground civilization that might be, you know, sacrificing people. And it's also got kind of like a like a budding romance between two places where everyone says it can't happen. And of course, it's happening with size because size lives so far outside of the norm. They get it more than than most people, I feel like. It's just it's a really enjoyable thing. Uh, and it's very much like there's this hearkening between the young and the old Right, like this older mm. generation, you can tell they really get along. That's why they both use each other as kind of contacts, and you can tell yeah. that there is there's this history there, and where they really respect each other, but not much came of it. Or if it did, it's just you know it's in the past, but they also trust each other. And you're seeing that sort of passing of the torch to these two, which I think is is like a really neat thing. There's a lot being set up here that I that I like a lot, and what's funny to me is that East Meg and Mega City are are kind of taking a back seat to um, kind of just how things are actually done in the field uh, for these types, which I think is yeah. is very interesting. So it, it that gets my top spot. Yeah, yeah, they're very much um, yeah setting things up and sort of and sort of unif and sort of coming together and teaming up for a um, for a larger purpose. Just as this crazy stuff starts happening around the world and things exactly. like that. Exactly. Oh, and I do love that world building aspect. I'm sure that 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 is a very heavy asterisk, and the world will change as needed. Um, still, it's very neat. It's a good setup. And with that, my man, I set you up. Uh, parry me and thrust into my brain. You're top of. Whoa. Um. Yeah. I mean. I mean. Obviously, Harlem Heroes is my bottom man. It's real like, bad. That's my. That's my stance. My previous, st- as as stated, you got to be real bad to knock it out. And time flies is not no. that is, is is not bad enough to do that. Not I yet. will say what to me how this feel like for me the uh, the Garth Ennis thing is that I feel like you know Ennis is always really edgy. Mm. I'd say like I'm thinking about like Ars face in Preacher or something like that. Sure. You know? This this character with a messed up face based on his uh, Nirvana inspired suicide attempt and things like that, sure. or just all the various Nazis and racist and weird shit in in the course of Preacher, for instance, like that was sort of a mixture of edginess with sort of interesting characterizations and things. Mm. Whereas this, whereas Time Flies, feels like it's less just sort of act like edgy and more like Edge Lord or whatever. Oh where yeah, it's sort of making that transition oh, yeah. from like someone who's trying to t- to tell a story that has stuff you might not expect to um. God, that's so to just kind of to just kind of like oh like I bet you won't like this. That's so stuff. That's so encapsulatingly true. I'm not even gonna lie. I like that's a full agree for me. It it was more annoying than it was like insightful. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's just like oh here's a wacky Hitler. Like what? Why? Like oh just because? Oh now you're triggered. Whatever. Uh, yeah. Okay, I I guess, buddy. <laughs> but I'm not like, feeling you know... very triggered. I'm just feeling like you wasted both of our time. Yeah, like I'm I'm less I'm less having a post traumatic stress episode and I'm more just sort of like grunting angrily, I guess kind of like <laughs> like I <laughs> I have to I you know, I want to read these things for for me and my friend to hang out and then also there's this podcast I do, but you're really making me have to read this. It's like I mean, I don't think yeah. you really gave this your all. 
I will say that I, I, I believe Annis has disavowed this story as, um, oh, in, in the future. Oh, man. God, I'm... <sighs> I just wish but, I understood why, you know? <laughs> Damn. I, um, I will say, though, again, Harlem Heroes, bottom, hate it. Don't like it. Yeah. Um, for my top... Oh, come on. Come on. You know. You know Solidarity Ooh. would be real sexy. But also I there's really... that Judge Dredd. And there's that Nemesis. I really want to say Anderson. I like it a lot. I really like this opening scene of just establishing these characters and especially this sort of budding relationship between Anderson and Amistad. It's real good. Um, I really like the start of these Dread stories. Mm-hmm. I like the sort of check-in. I really like Ron Smith and Steve Dillon back on Dread. Oh, and they're looking and good. And then especially the start of this Yasa story. I appreciate that character being picked back up and kind of coming back into it as well as the story that especially as, as, as well as seeming to deal with dread processing the feelings that led to him taking the long walk. That's something I'm very interested. Oh in. yeah. Um, but you got to choose one. Nemesis and, Nemesis and Warlock or Nemesis and Deadlock was kind of a one-off. So I don't know if that's really in play right now. I mean, but they I really penetrated each other. Arts. I'd put that in play. And I like those characters, too, yeah. so it's kind of a fun one. But I think for me, I'm going to pick Hooligan's haircut for this time. Uh, you know, I, I'm glad you did. Someone needs um, to, you know? Yeah, it's a, it's a story I like a lot. I really like the art, and I feel like it is a real big departure from what's otherwise in 2000 AD. Mm. And I think that that is something that I support and would like to uh, see more of. So I will give it a thumbs up 30 years ago with a top thrill. I mean, listen, man, it feels like a roller coaster that I can enjoy as opposed to a roller coaster going backwards, making me vomit the whole time. I can yeah, think of a and few I'll of say, those. I'll say also, I'm a little bit picking it in the knowledge that it's going to end next Prague. Oh, no. Whereas... This Anderson's or or next uh, next episode, whereas Anderson's going to run a little longer, so I've got time to oh, sort of. That's um, poopy doos. I like top that story. one. You know, nothing gold can stay, buddy. Yeah, that's like true. after a while, it just passes on to uh, to something else. <sighs> it is really good, though. I I do suggest yeah. that anybody who hasn't actually seen it does actually go out of their way to grab it because it's real good. Yeah, I think it's pretty classic, like, sort of um, early 90s comic book weird stuff, which I am in favor of, I'd Very say, worth it part. to have in your collection. Yeah. Awesome. All right. I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitch, or the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com in the 2080 forums or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter page. On Twitter, we're at Space Spinner 2K. For everything else, look up Space Spinner 2000. We should be there. And this show is brought to you by Steve Green and your friends at the 2084. Hey, oh, good like people. To, yeah, yeah. If you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd appreciate it. Please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash That's our podcast network. There you can support the show and receive a ton of excellent rewards, <clears> including <throat> advanced episodes, coverage of modern 2000 AD and magazine, and even monthly Q&As with your boys, Fox and Conrad. We'll answer some questions, clearly. Yeah, definitely. have a... A lot of fun with it. Have discussions. God, that was like two hours, the last one. Yeah, yeah. Our, our one for August was two hours long and us getting real deep about movies and video games. Pretty That's solid right. stuff. Come back next week as we'll finish up both Hooligan's Haircut and Harlem Heroes. A certain ser- uh, psycho killer returns He's as we learn what PJ maybe did during Necropolis. 
and we'll start a new thrill, the diehard in a nuclear missile facility thriller, Silo. Oh, I mean, is it like Cujo, but like a psychic dog? Um, it's weird, as I, as I recall. I don't think I've actually re- I've reread it yet, so we'll see how it goes. I hope it's I remember a psychic being dog. Weird, I really hope it's a psychic dog that's huge. I don't think there's a dog, but I think there might be psychic stuff. I don't know. <laughs> um, Psycho yeah. Cujo, Kiskase, Kiskase, dog, 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 dog away. And until then, I'm God Ready Spots, and we are Space Bitter 2000. Spongy for free! I've had a little time.